delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. G'day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid. Another episode, our first episode for 2023. Great to be back with you. We've got a big show coming up. Todd Hazelwood to join us very shortly. Of course, he uh, was the first driver to get a Gen 3 car out on the track in real noise. So we'll find out how that all went for Todd. We'll also be speaking to Richard Crowell, Mark Walker, wrapping up the Bathurst 12-hour. What a massive weekend that was, and plenty more. Right here on The Grid, let's get it going. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, joining me as always for the first show of the year, Richard Crail. Welcome back from the mountain. Yes, what a weekend it was. Shebex, the Liquamoli Bathurst 12 hours, another crack, uh, cracky, cracker. We'll roll into that a little bit later on in the show. Yeah. But uh, no, tremendous weekend. Loved it, every minute of it. Uh, and another classic at the mountain. So hard to go past that race. No, very much so. You're exactly spot on. Going to have a chat to open up the year with a man who's got a new car, a new team, and Happy New Year, Todd Hazelwood. Thank you, Tony. Great to be back on the show. And, um, yeah, it's been a thing of first the last couple of weeks for me. First car on track and first Gen 3 and first to be on the show, which is even cooler. So uh, thanks for <laughs> back once again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we're proud to have you on, mate, as always. Uh, take us through that first shakedown initially a couple of days ago and then uh, i believe just uh on tuesday of course the uh, the first proper test of this gen 3 mustang yeah it's been a pretty exciting couple of weeks and um yeah a really special moment for the whole team at the blanchard racing team to witness obviously all the hard work and dedication that went into this brand new car build um and to be first out on track was a huge achievement and a true testament to the workmanship that was going on behind the scenes um, in the workshop here in Box Hill. So, um, yeah, to see Tim do the very first lap in a BRT chassis was a pretty special moment for the whole family. So to be there and witness that was, yeah, it was really cool. But to get my first laps and get a real understanding of what these new Gen 3 spec cars are like, I'll tell you what, they're an absolute beast to drive. Um, yeah, quite a, quite a challenge. Um, certainly still trying to wrap my head around it, to be honest. There's so many different features of the car and how it wants to be driven and, and what it's like behind the wheel. So, um, yeah, as you said, we had our shakedown, which fortunately went really smoothly. I think we were able to get about 65 laps under our belt. Um, and then yesterday did our first proper test to really, I guess, get an understanding of what we can tune and how we can try and extract some more lap time out of it. And, um, yeah, so far so good. The common theme, mate, appears to be same but different when it comes to driving a Gen 3 car. So tell us, what are they like? What are they like to steer? What are they like to hustle properly hard? Uh, what's the experience like? Um, yeah, I, I guess you know, it's still it's still a supercar. They're still under-tired, still got a heap of power. But I think everything, you know, you just grab that intensity dial and you just turn it right up to max. Um, that's what it feels like now, the Gen 3 car. Feels like we've got even less grip. We've got no. You almost feel like you haven't got any error at all. Um, mm. Whereas I think, at particularly supercars, it's certainly evolved in the last probably five or six years. In, in, with the especially with the introduction of the ZB and the new Mustang, you know that the supercars really went to a new level um, and getting closer to what I guess a GT car would feel like. And now we've gone 
well away from that now. So, yeah, the car feels like it's almost sitting on top of the track the whole time. Um, so for people that have driven a race car, it's, it's very lively, um, very tricky in braking. It's, it's very easy to make a mistake behind the wheel. Um, so from what I've felt so far, I think, you know, the, the ingredients is exactly what Supercar dreamed up. You know, to make a car that's tricky for us drivers, provides a challenge, certainly entertaining um, from a driving point of view. And, and I think that'll mix up the racing because the cars that we've had in, the, in previous years have been very dialed in, you know, absolutely maximized from a setup point of view and well gripped up. And now we're going into an era where the cars are very loose, very unstable, very unpredictable, hard to feel where the grip is. Um, so I think you combine all those elements together. We're going to be in for a, you know, for the, for the race fans that are watching this year, they're going to be in for a treat. I'll bring on Newcastle. Can't wait for that. Let me tell you. Hey, uh, wait, I want to bring this experience of the new Gen 3 car back to a real lifetime experience. And I want to relate it to a first date. And I know it's been a while since you've been on a first date because you and Alice obviously been a long-term relationship. But do you go easy? Do you just work your way through the test with the new car or do you just go hard from the start and see how you go? Yeah, it's a bit like, you know, make sure you you pull the chair out and, you know, make sure you dress cleanly for your first day of school. You know, it's sort of – it had that feeling about it, I guess. You know, like you're, like you said, you, you know, for me it was – I've been part of the team um, obviously since Anna last year and that was all announced. But I spent three days uh, – sorry, three weeks in the workshop just trying to grow that relationship. But there's no – bigger pressure than you know performing for your first day with the team on track um so you know to be there for the first day on track with the team brand new car which i've never actually had a brand new race car um in my whole racing career so last time i had anything that was brand new was in a go-kart um so it's very much a, a special day for me more mate more ways than one so it was a, a little bit of pressure that i guess built up that i probably didn't expect and then to actually be the first gen 3 car out on track there was a whole new element of expectation and and not not so much pressure but you just wanted you just wanted the day, the day to go well because mm. we knew that was going to be a fair level of spotlight obviously there's been a fair bit of publicity good bad and different about gen 3 so for us we wanted to go out and make a statement for the right reasons and you know fortunately fortunately we're able to execute that i was wondering where you were going with that analogy shebex you know me uh, richard you know me. We're, we're, the stuff that i better stop yeah no, it's <laughs> nice work so you're you're at first base now uh and, and it'll be a very public uh, rollout as you go further into this relationship. D just talk about the spirit within this team, Todd. And you, you've driven for the smaller teams in pit lane before, but what's the vibe like in BRT? And and especially what it was like, and, and you touched on it before when that car rolled out for the first time with Timmy behind the wheel and for such a small group to be the first out of everybody to get one of these new cars on the racetrack was an enormous accomplishment. So just, just touch on what the vibe's like, I suppose, within the Cool Drive outfit. Yeah, thanks, Krause. You're certainly right there. Um, like, one, it was a huge achievement. You know, essentially, it was a team of four guys that were able to pull off a, a brand-new car build before anyone else. And you look at, obviously, the scale of other teams in pit lane, and you add in the fact that there's two homologation teams that, you know, They've only just rolled out that one of them only just rolled out a car just yesterday. So for us to be first out on track was certainly defied the odds, I guess, in some ways, which was pretty cool by them, you know. And the motivation was high to be able to be on be on track, be on time for that first test day. And, you know, those guys worked day and night. They slept at the workshop. They did everything to try and execute that build on time. Um, and just I guess proper planning. But yeah, getting that back to what you said with the vibe in the team is certainly 
a huge level of um, ambition, motivation, and drive to win in the team. And you know, to see and feel that in a, in a team is refreshing because I feel like that's probably been missing in my supercar program for probably the last four or five years. So to see that level of ambition has really lifted my own spirits and, and my own motivation. And yeah, I feel feeling like I'm uh, part of a team that wants to win, which is cool. So yeah, having that family orientation is one thing, but to have the, the drive and success, um, you know, driven by the Blanchard family, but also Mirko De Rossa, who's my engineer, you know, he's very much, steering the ship in, in the right direction and it's great to be able to work with those guys there and yeah and just see how hungry they are so yeah yeah you know, i feel it's only a matter of time until we you know get the results that we're obviously all hungry and, and work feverishly working towards speaking of relationships driver engineer is often so important he's so important in supercars racing how and have you and Mirko got on together and how's that relationship starting to form yeah, it's good. I actually had a joke today. I've been working out of the boardroom the last three weeks and I actually moved into the engineering's office today. So you could say, you know, this, the relationship's taken that next step today, which is cool. <laughs> it's moved in. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I've officially moved in, I feel like. So, um, no, it's going, it's going really well. And, and just getting back to what I said, you know, seeing how Merco operates and being part of this team now for, you know, in the workshop for four days straight, uh, four weeks straight, um, just seeing the level of intensity and, and ambition the way that 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 level is is really cool to see um you know you you often see engineers that are very smart but don't have that that race engineer winning mentality and and Mirko certainly got that so for me to have that is um yeah a a big win and you know he's got all the key attributes and more I think for me to be able to get some good success this year so for me it's yeah it's exciting still a relatively short career for you in supercars at the moment uh you've had a couple of team changes was this a hard one to make for you or was it a no-brainer? Um, yes and no. Obviously, plenty of history for me with Matt Stone Racing. You know, back in Super 2, my whole career with them um, and then to start out with them was you know, obviously a special moment. And, um, you know, obviously, we, we had a bit of an up-and-down year last year, but when I was presented with an opportunity with BRT and knowing what the, the details of the partnership and what they had planned moving forward, it was essentially a no-brainer for me. So... Yeah, very happy with the move that I've made. And, and as I said, you know, I feel like all the ingredients are starting to come together for me to, to arguably have one of my better years in the Supercars Championship. Still very early days to make predictions and know what style of results that we're going to be getting. Um, you know, the, the reality is we are still a, a single car team and we are the smallest team in pit lane. But hopefully that, that hard work and commitment will, will fill that void and we can get some good results at the start of the year to to get some momentum and keep building that this program, you know, because as I said, I feel like it's got all the ingredients there to, to get some good results. So, you know, hopefully I'll position myself in the best best way possible to start this year on the right foot. You gave us a driver's perspective of the new Gen 3 car before, and I'm not sure whether you can do this or not, but from a, pa- a fan's perspective, what can we expect to see in 2023 with these new cars? Do you expect that the racing from what you've seen in the last couple of days is going to be a lot closer? Um, whether it's closer or not is one thing, but I think you'll see what, or what I think you'll definitely see, particularly in the opening rounds of the championship, um, for cars that qualify, maybe in the first top five, they may not finish. They may not even be in the top 10 by the end of the race. So I think the cars are going to require two very different setups for both qualifying and the race. Um, the, the car itself is very hard on the tire. It, it, it murders the rear tires. It's got, with the, the combination of less aero 
Um, so the car's not as gripped up, so it's moving around already. And then you combine that with more torque. So the engine is essentially frying the rear tires. Um, so I think with that combination being that being said, uh, the braking distance over the, the the length of a race or over a stint of tire step, um, that braking distance is going to get larger and larger. And the, the feel in the car is a lot looser. So as the stint goes on, I think you're going to be prone to having more mistakes, more lockups. Um, and it's from a drop, you know, if you've got a tire advantage or if you've got a car that's well set up, um, you could see a car go from 10th and potentially be on the podium before the end of the race. So I th- that would be, that's a pretty bold prediction, I guess. But, you know, that's what I've certainly felt in the first two test days um, so far, first two days in the car, I should say. So, um, yeah, I think from that element moving forward, I think it should provide a great spectacle um, because, yeah, when I did my first 30-lap run, on the shakedown last week, the the tires were pretty sad and pretty, and the lap times were pretty slow. So it's <laughs> a big, there's a big disparity between, um, yeah, qualifying and race trim. Good, that's all music to our ears, mm, I think. Yeah. And, and you say someone's going to go from first to tenth. What that also means is someone goes from tenth to first. So that's uh, that's good for the entertainment product. Uh, wholesale reg changes in supercars in the past have often shuffled the pack and. The, the easiest example to cite is probably BJR, who tend to be very good at a regulation change. And they, um, especially when Gen 2 came out, were, were right onto the money straight away. And Fabian and Tim Slade had great results early. It, it'd be too easy to ask you how you think you're going to go. So instead, I'll ask, does that knowledge that these rule changes have the potential to level the playing field does that give you more motivation or are you already motivated enough? Does, does the the potential that things could be completely different um, just sort of make it even more uh, a positive experience, a tantalising prospect, I don't know, going into that that first round in Newey? Yeah, for sure, Krause. Um, yeah, I think that's the reason why you see BRT with the first chassis built and completed and a test day under, under our sleeve already because we've embraced that opportunity knowing that Yes, it is a huge reset for the whole industry. All of a sudden, all the teams that have had the advantage and have had the extra, you know, componentry or or you know just the extra success that have been able to build from it's you're starting from from scratch straight away. Um, so yeah, I, I feel you know as you said, it's hard to set an expectation or set a goal of where you think you may end up. But if we can give ourselves every chance of starting the year on the front foot, if we're prepared, we've got a test day under our belt. And we're giving ourselves a maximum amount of time to understand all the data going into round one. Then, hey, we're doing everything that we can to get success, even though we're a small team um, and the team hasn't achieved the podium in supercars yet. So, yeah, bring it on. You know, I, as I said, I feel like I'm in a great headspace. You know, the team has been looking after me really well. They've been giving me all the tools and more for me to give myself the best preparation for the start of the year. So, for me, I feel refreshed. The team's certainly hungry and motivated and on track for doing everything that they can do. They can physically control and do within the rules. So, um, yeah, bring it on. Uh, Fantastic. Bring it on. Exactly. Todd, we really thank you for your time, mate. Congratulations uh, on heading off to uh, Blanchard Racing. Congratulations on getting out onto that track and getting some early information for that first test day. And we hope it all equates to something pretty special for you guys come Newcastle in a few weeks' time. Uh, thank you very much, lads, and um, thanks for having me on the show too. Always great to catch up. Good on you, mate. Todd Hazelwood joining us here 
On The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. Todd Hazelwood, always great to catch up with him and always great to catch up with this bloke as well. He joins us for the first time in 2023. Mark Walker, g'day to you. Tony Shebecki, Richard Crail. We're back. They said it wouldn't happen. <laughs> Some <laughs> hoped it wouldn't happen. <laughs> I was going to say it's great to see your face, but unfortunately internet issues in uh, your part of the world don't allow us to do that. Oh, look, it's just the internet's so excited that the podcast is back. Hey, Richard Crail, mm. how, how was the Bathurst 12-hour for you, little buddy? Yeah, it was good. It was great. It, it was, and, and in all seriousness, and I know we'll eventually talk about the gigantic Thank elephant you. in the room, or <laughs> as it was at the chase. Uh, no, look, it was, I, I would, having had a few days to reflect on it, I think it's probably, from a professional standpoint, one of the better weeks of my motor racing life. Yeah. It was. It was genuinely an incredible week and I was there from Monday as is tradition and the way it built up, the way the town embraced it uh, and, and the way it just felt like it had never a gone away and then been B been through what we went through last year. Um, the, the vibe was just unbelievable. The weather could not have been perfect and Bathurst owed us a good weekend after last year, mm-hmm. after everything we went through at, at the, October race and at the 12 hour and even at the six hour it was foggy all the time. Um, it, it delivered in spades. We had four utterly perfect days. Um, we had an unbelievably good car race at the end. Great support. It's a formula one car. It just ticked so many boxes and um, like Jack Duggins is back in form. Like that was great news to start the week. Our favourite Irish pub, which which had a little wobble last year, they're back. Like that, the moment that we had that first feed there, and they were right back to where they used to be, and even better. Um, I knew the rest of the week was just going to go really, really well. But no, it was tremendous, amazing weekend, and I'm very proud of that little event. I've had a a small role to play for some time, but to see it reach that level and that many people there was um, pretty bloody special. I'll tell you. Fair race too. It was a decent car race, wasn't it? Yeah. If you More if you weren't happy watching that, it, it had something to appease everybody. Yeah, yeah, and look the the fact, and, and I'm sure we'll deep dive into it as the show goes on. But to get that finish after four hours and forty five minutes of green flag racing yeah. is incredible, and and proof that you don't need a late race safety car to make it ex- uh, exciting there and. And it also, you know, the, the number one narrative coming into that race was, oh, there's not enough cars. Um, well, at, at no point would you ever have more than two or three cars dueling for the win in a race there anyway. And what we had was three with the BMW sort of floating around about 30 seconds behind within a shot. Uh, and up to the last two hours, the other BMW and the Craft Bamboo Merc still on the lead lap, ready to go. So it was an extremely high quality field. And I'm really pleased that we got that finish that we did because, you know, it, it made the fact that um, there, there perhaps wasn't as big a field that we've seen in the past. It, it just completely made that not an issue whatsoever. Mm. Really interesting tactical race. And then, and then it all exploded with 90 odd minutes to go when... Group of M had their issues and then Matt Campbell did Matt Campbell things and Jill Gunon proved why he's one of the all-time great 
racing car drivers, in my opinion. He, he's he is at another level, that bloke. What would have happened if it was the Bathurst 12 hours and 10 minutes? I reckon Mauro Engel probably would have won it, to be honest. Yep. Um, we, we had angry Mauro at the end. <laughs> and, oh boy, wowee, was he fast. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, I mean, it, Gunon would have made it impossible to get by. He, he did it once. He would have would have done it again. I, I, I desperately would love to see Jules Gunon in the Bathurst 1000. Um, but I, I would pay to watch that guy race a Citroen 2CV. Like, he is... The the level of um, just relentless consistency and accuracy and mistake free driving that he put in three years in a row now. So it, so the Bentley in twenty twenty enormous pressure rain coming the thing pops a tire at Conrod straight and like his heart rate didn't even move and and just the pressure of delivering a win for Bentley who had tried for 6 years and failed for 6 years was huge and then last year in shocking weather with Mauro Engel again breathing down his neck and and just forcing him off for 3 hours of green flag running last year and then to do this year and deal with Mauro deal with being fenced and then deal with Matt Campbell chasing him down um I just but he didn't make a mistake it was extraordinary and and then to see his reaction to winning at that place makes it even more special because it just means so much. Um, and, and that out of everything for mine is what makes it so special that that race genuinely has high stakes and people desperately want to win Bathurst mm. and win the Bathurst 12 hour. And that is really, really special. We did put the uh, posts out asking for some questions for our program today, anything you'd like to ask. And it's probably not a bad time to roll a couple in because they do relate to the 12 hour. And Zach uh, has put one out there saying with uh, Jules having won the race three in a row, does that make him one of the Bathurst greats? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I think so. Um, it, you can't compare eras and it's, it, it's difficult to compare 1000 V 12 hour because they're different car races, but only five drivers in the history of that joint in any endurance race have won three in a row mm. before this weekend, and he's the sixth. That's not a bad strike rate, is it, really? How's Kenny Habul's form? You know, he's an am yeah. going yeah. up against the pros, and they won it. Like, it was yeah. all like, oh, they, they could, in theory, possibly be in the running. There you go. They just yeah. went out there and donged it. Yeah, Garth, Garth and I had a chat um that we ran on um, Midweek Motorsport with our friends on Radio Show Limited a couple of weeks before the race is a bit of a preview. And, and off air, we were talking about that and we actually were reading the rules because I'm a nerd and he had to suffer through that. But um, but we looked at it and went, you know, that it's a team that's read the rule book and around the rule about the bronze driver not having a minimum driver time in if you're entered in pro and we read that and we went well done them for doing it we love the fact they did it i thought it was great but they're not going to win because there's still going to be an hour of kenny being exposed to some of the best gt drivers in the world or the best supercar drivers around but they made it work they made their strategy work around it they pitted they did the craft bamboo thing of pitting every opportunity they possibly had um Kenny drove bloody well. Let's not take mm. anything away from him. He was doing fours and fives in his in his stint behind the wheel. So he wasn't uncompetitive at all. Um, and, and had they been in Pro-Am, I'm sure they would have been an absolute contender for the Pro-Am win as well. But they, um, 
they read the rules better than anyone else and um, gave themselves a shot at winning the race outright and it fell their way. There was a time we, we thought they were half an hour short for a time of fuel, but um, just the way it all played out at the end, is they were they were okay in the end. But back to the start of your comment there, Garth Tander. God, mm. it was good listening to him. Just He's his, his fresh insight, actual knowledge of the cars, how the Bathurst 12-hour works. Like in practice, all the manufacturers go out there and run the same program. It didn't matter which AMG Mercedes you were. You, they were all running the same program so they could overlap data mm. at the end of it. And like just that sort of insight that... No, I don't know. Nobody knows. Garth Tander knows it. And he was full of that all weekend, which was just awesome to listen to. Isn't it irritating, isn't it? Yep. Turns out he's quite a good racing car driver. You know, there's only, what, four blokes that have won Bathurst more times than him? Um, yeah. Ripper dude. <laughs> and can also commentate. Uh, yeah. oh, come on, mate. <laughs> Leave some for the rest of us. <laughs> hey, Carl, you just, uh, with the Group M modem situation, can you... Fill us in with what was that all about? Because it's the first time I've ever heard of a car mm. have to basically nearly pull out of a race due to a, a modem. What the hell's that all about? Well, it's it's a system that is put on. It's a Motec system, so it's an Aussie system that gets on for this race, uh, and it's it serves a couple of functions. Shebex, one of which is the BOP systems in the car, so the balance of performance. Yep, basically to make sure they're not taking the mickey, which they, they weren't. They weren't doing that. Um, the other thing is it's a, a regulatory thing at Mount Panorama. After the big crash in 2018, um, the race implemented warning lights. So it receives communication from race control that sets some warning lights off on the dash. If there's a full course yellow, it will put the warning lights on the dash. If there's a yellow, local yellow, it will fly them. And they're regulatory. So... If you don't see the flag, mm. but you've seen the lights, clearly the lights have illuminated on your dash. You can still get pinged if you have been judged as to ignore the yellow flag. Um, and it was it was working intermittently. So uh, they they had to change it. it it's in the rule book. Um, massively unfortunate. And, and we don't actually know the real reason, but we suspect it was heat, which is what we discussed in the broadcast. Um, and it was pretty hot on Sunday, you know, in the cars, it was only 26 or 27 outside, but um, yeah, it was, it was unfortunate. It was one of those little Bathurst one percenters um, really frustrating that it was a bit that gets added onto the car for this race and this race only, but then this race and this race only is incredibly unique in needing that kind of additional safety support for the top of the mountain for the, the warning lights. So it's something that had to be in the car and everyone else had it and no one else had a drama. So unlucky. Yep. Totally completely understand why they were grumpy about it um but that's but, the nature of the place but at least the officials let them change it in that yep. pit stop while the refueling was going on and yeah they ultimately didn't lose all the time and they let them play it out until that pit stop they didn't make them stop early so at least the officials were gracious enough that they let that let that yeah, sort of and, slip for enough and look they were they were I, I thought so and you know bmw had to put rossi's car in the garage to fix the lights the rear lights which was a 25 second fix but by the letter of the rules that triple eight got caught out by they had to go back in the garage yep so I, I thought that was a nice that was a bit of a um look we know it's our bit that's stuffed up yep you can fix it in the lane kind of um not a deal but just a, a little bit of leeway and, and just, just sensible officiating from, from Campbell Little and Paul Martin. So, look, I, I feel for Gripper M. They're, they're an amazing race team. And every year they've rocked up, they have been very, very competitive. Uh, and, and they did great things all weekend long. But, 
you know, Bathurst uh, has a knack of delivering bad news to people that deserve nice things sometimes. For six uh, to ten years, fun. we've been debating about whether Valentino Rossi may race four wheels other than two and how he would go if he did. We all thought he'd do all right, but who actually knew he would? Yeah, he was pretty he good. He could drive, can't he? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he would border. He's rated silver. He he borders on being a sneaky silver. Mm. And, and if those BMWs didn't go, they were badly affected by the heat. And we were quite surprised by that. And I think they were too, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, had, had they not been off the pace in those hot conditions, like that, that car had every shot at contending as much as the, the other car did. Yeah, he was really good. Mm. Really good. And we couldn't have scripted him topping a practice session better. Like that was just yeah. the best thing that's ever happened. Ahead of Schumacher as well. Ahead of Schumacher. Rossi leads Schumacher in Bathurst. That like you, oh. you mentioned a keyword there a minute ago, and I think it was a bit of a knot for mine, triple eight. Mm. Outside of Brock Feeney, you know, Brock was essentially the team leader in that lead super cheap car all weekend, but it just didn't pan out for them. And the the second car was absolutely anonymous in Pro Am as well. Yeah, which is probably why they didn't get much TV, much to the angst of the sponsor. <laughs> when you full apps off the pace, you're not yeah. going to get, get yeah. all the TV if you're sponsoring a back market car. Um, yeah, you're right. Ma- Maxi Goats was great as always. He's he's just a pro, you know, gun GT driver. Shane was weird. I I, I have no idea what was going on, and and didn't get to spend much time down in that garage, unfortunately. But yeah, they were. Um, that was it. Was weird, really, really weird, and and that stint when, you know, he dropped right to the back. There was that little battle on the restart and, and he dropped to the back of that leading queue and for four or five laps was just absolutely nowhere on pace. And it looked like they were really struggling to switch the car on, on colder tires and low pressure tires. And I'm not sure if it was the overnight change of um, the overnight change of the, the tire pressure regulations that happened or not, but yeah, that was, that was random. Very, very random. But but wasn't Brock Feeney great? And and it was mm. hilarious on Saturday that he did a one a one zero and was disappointed for missing out on pole. Mm. <laughs> like, no one's ever gone quicker in Bathurst qualifying in any race. And he was disappointed. But you know, that's just how well he's been driving that car. And yeah, he he sort of assumed team leadership over the weekend, which was cool. Yeah, good on him. Well done. Uh we should also say too, Michael has given us a message uh, in regards to giving John Bow some credit, the fact that he's won three 12 hours as well, two at Bathurst, one at Eastern Creek. He, he, nobody here is never going to give John Bow credit. No, this no, we'll, we'll signed up members of the JB fan club. Uh, well, no, speaking but, of fan club. No, 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 wait. But JB, <laughs> JB won two Bathurst 12 hours and one Eastern Creek 12 hour. So, yes, he's a three-time 12-hour winner, but only two of them were at Bathurst. So you don't win a Bathurst 12-hour at Eastern Creek. No, fair enough. Speaking of fan clubs, <sighs> uh, Crowsey Fan Club merch. Mark, do you have any word on that? Uh, you have to inquire with the sh- Shakedown group on Facebook. Hmm. That's uh, where don't that happens and where all that's at. Don't plead innocence in this, Mark Walker. You played a role. Look, you're, yeah, and you're that promising retribution, but I'd like to remind you that you plastered my 40th birthday all over the Race Talk social media accounts. Yeah, so... 40th birthday. Everyone has a birthday. Oh, well, not everyone has a banner on Conrod Strait. No, not everyone. Well, that's you. You deserve one. No. You got a fan club. No, he doesn't. Like... 
<laughs> so awesome. no, I your the, the stitch up could not have gone better. Like oh, it was well. just the, the, the camera panning down, following I've, that kid on the bike. I feel privileged it that I had Brian Forshaw, who is the the director at Supercast TV and who is an unbelievably good TV director. I feel privileged that I got stitched up with some of his finest work. Just this, this kid beautiful. does this beautiful little jump on his little bike and the pan just continues down. Uh, and I got elbowed in the ribs by Garth Tander because I wasn't looking at the screen. I, I saw first little mate make his jump and then saw the second one and then went back to my notes because I was about to dig out some notes for that second part of the shootout um, and got elbowed in the ribs when that popped up because Garth Tander had been pre-warned as well by David Tunnicliffe, the um, head of Supercars Television, who is also on my list for retribution. Uh, yeah. It Love would it. be a waste if that banner didn't appear at the F1 GP at Albert Park. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's made. It might as well. Well, it just it got kept getting dragged up that often during the coverage. I it suggested did. to uh, the National Motor Racing Museum we put it up on display. <laughs> it, not necessarily in the public gallery, maybe just in Janda's closet or a toilet or something. Fortunately, but if that gets TV coverage for the museum, I can't see a downside to it. Yeah, fortunately, Brad Owen uh, isn't that much of a bad guy. So. Um... And the other oh. thing that uh, I was promised that I was going to get shown in the first qualifying session, but I'm so glad that they held it off until <laughs> the middle of qualifying when everyone was tuned in. I yeah. thought that was, it was on screen all day. You were there looking at it all day. Every time those cameras in the chase showed that section of the racetrack, you were on TV. It, clearly it was not a good, that, that there's clearly a reason why they've never sold advertising there before, because no. clearly I, I just, I didn't look at it. <laughs> Look, it was it was deep down. It was quite flattering, and I went there Saturday night. And um, uh, how I, how sourced were the shakedown group? Because they yeah. looked like they'd had a good day. They're pretty, pretty, yeah. and by pretty sourced, I mean extremely. <laughs> uh, Robbo, who owns the house, uh, I bumped into Robbo early in the week actually, and he before he knew that was happening as well. Uh, had a good chat with Robbo and you know, poke around the property, which is very cool. But um, he, he was having a really good afternoon and uh, Brad Gordon, who marshals all those shakedown people around, um, he was ha also having a very good afternoon. And then the other 25 or so people were also having an outstanding afternoon and I fully embraced that. I was actually very jealous at their level of um, inebriation because I wasn't even slightly. <laughs> uh, no, look, it was um, very flattering. I signed the banner for them and um, we posted for a photo and it was all good fun. But uh, it is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me in my a, life. A great weekend and a great way to start 2023. A great way to start any year with the Bathurst 12 Hour here in Australia for uh, racing. Plenty of cars been hitting the track over the last couple of days. New Gen 3 cars. We had a chat to Todd about his. And Chris, there were some interesting comments from Todd in regards to... Uh, the shake-up he expects of uh, of cars in regards to how they're going to handle, the, especially the first couple of races as they get so used to this uh, new Gen 3 car. Yeah, let, let's be honest. They're going to be shitboxes for the first three or four rounds, aren't they? Like, they're which not going to be... I think. They're not, yeah, exactly, which is what we want. Uh, I love, love to hear that they're going to fry their rear tyres really quickly. That's great. Good news. Um, I bet they're all looking forward to Newcastle. Because of all the places you could go, there's probably only Gold Coast that would offer a similar level of sketchiness from a street mm. circuit point of view. Um, so that's exciting. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's good. Oh, they look fantastic. 
if you know if they only deliver half of the 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 increase in performance of of how good they race at least that like they've nailed the way the things look they look so tough mm. and the aesthetics of supercars have taken an enormous leap forward especially over the the mustang that we've had for the last three or four years they are the toughest looking touring cars that this country's had for a long long time so that that's a massive win so far um yeah and i i, you know, I actually don't mind how late it's always and i think the rush out that they're having and some people are testing and some aren't is awesome and it's just going to shake things up more by the time we get to newy yeah i'd agree with that but like i don't think it really matters does it matter that everyone's last minute larry at the moment out there getting a team because you think back to 2013 when we brought in the past generation mm. of cars Dejar were nowhere. They rolled mm. up to the test day and they sort of did a couple of installation laps and they wobbled around Norwell and turned up to Adelaide with no miles on the board. They were absolutely nowhere. By the middle of the year, Chas Mostert gave them a win. Mm. It doesn't matter where everyone is at this stage of the year. Like yeah. you've got so much opportunity as the season progresses to pull your finger out and figure it all out. Um, yeah, whatever. Bring, bring on Newcastle. It's going to be an insane weekend. Yeah, I, I'm. I can't wait to get there. Uh, it, it's a. It's a great city, but b. Like just the level of unpredictability that comes with that place alone. Before you even throw in twenty five new cars that no one's raced before, that, that's awesome. Really, really good. And I, I genuinely hope for the sport's sake that we get some different names at the front. Nothing would please me more than Cool Drive Racing winning first time out or Brad Jones, Andre Heimgartner going and winning first time out or the truck assist car from Matt Stone racing. I don't know. I don't really, it doesn't matter. Well, I just, I would love to see a bit of a fairy tale story. I, I think that would just be a perfect, perfect way to launch this generation of, of car, especially after the um, somewhat troubling build up that there's been. Hmm. Yep, no, fair enough too. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? In well, can we talk about no, no, back room. Can we talk about yeah. F one car at Bathurst, well, please? Yes, please do that. Oh, and, and the national anthem. <laughs> oh yeah, wasn't it good? Mate, that, that was the the best version of the national anthem I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it even better out... than me singing it to the tune of Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Go on, no wait, no don't. No. Um, it turns out that Advanced Australia Fair, while perhaps not being the most inspirational of national anthems, is probably the best played on a 2.4-litre V8 Formula 1 car. Yes. <laughs> it was awesome. Who would, who would have known? That, that was genuinely incredible, watching that thing. Uh, where I went and stood up on the pit roof, and when you're 1.65 kilometres away from in a straight line from Reed Park, but you can hear the thing accelerating out of Reed Park under that BP Ultimate sign and down towards the metal grate, it's hair on the back of the neck stuff. Mm. It was great. And you could hear it from the pit building accelerating out of the elbow going down Conrod Strait. Wow. It was just one of the coolest things I've seen at that place. It was very, very cool. And Liam Lawson was outstanding. Um, yeah, they, they tried to not do a record run, but... We worked out that if you time them from the apex of turn 21 to the apex of turn 21, you get the full. He had two full laps <laughs> there. So he did a, a minute 55, I think it was in the end, which is Jeez. pretty quick. So, um, yeah, it was it was really special, really special. And, and between the Rossi factor and that, it, it goes a long way to explain why 
there were so many people there on the Friday. Um, well, how are you going to make 2024 work? Oh yeah. oh, yeah, good question. Just a bar high. <laughs> Genuinely, I've got a bit on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had to go hard this year with the event going back to February and everywhere it was. So we got Rossi in a Formula One car. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. Michael Schumacher's comeback? Like, phew, good oh, question. Truth. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Jim, that from Lazarus yeah, Laz- Laz- Rising, isn't it? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but no, it was great. That was um, that was really cool. Uh, yeah, that will be remembered for a long time. Yeah. I, 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 you might have heard it in the broadcast, but um, had a chat to the Red Bull guys and said, oh, are you running full revs? And go, no, nah, we've detuned it. Yeah, to 17,000 RPM. It's like, oh, yeah. right, okay. Turned it down a little bit. But they were um, they were great. And and the Gen 3 car running around, it wasn't broadcast, but they ran the Gen 3 Camaro and the Red Bull car around for 15 minutes at the end of the day after qualifying. And that was probably even better um, because the well, Gen 3 Camaro sounds pretty horn. And, but it, and the Formula 1 car going around together was just, that was exceptional. Very, it was very like, cool. lucky they didn't show it because SVG nearly fenced him coming down the pit straight one time. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We're not talking about that. No, 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 it was, it was, there was a moment, but they were filming. <laughs> so, um, um, you know, Red Bull don't muck about when it comes to content creation and that was the ultimate bit of content creation. So I'm looking forward. I, I my understanding is that the film they've made, which is all that filming they've done in Australia. I, I think that drops before the Australian Grand Prix, which would make all the sense in the world. Excellent. Um, so yeah, watch out for that. It's going to be pretty special. We've also seen a couple of uh, F1 cars revealed as well, and that new uh, Williams Mercedes looks hot. Yeah, it's funny. Like they've got sponsorship from Duracell, so they've wrapped the front of the airbox gold and the back of it black. <laughs> and the F1 media have gone, oh, my God, that's the best thing ever. But they've yeah. been running that since, like, Spa last year. <laughs> so all of a sudden, everyone's cool. just gone, oh, righto. But, yeah, it's good. Counting down. Australian Grand Prix, it's only 50 days away, Shebex. I know, 30 days to Newcastle, 50 days to the Grand Prix. Where is 2023 going? Absolutely crazy. Mark, you would have had your eyes fixated on the uh, NASCAR race on the uh, the gridiron uh, field. At the Coliseum, only 16 caution flags. So, uh, yeah, that was a uh, whole 11 more than a Bathurst 12 hour. Exactly. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, you, you had four hours, 45 minutes of green flag running. They nearly had four <laughs> minutes. Minutes. <laughs> yeah, that that was suboptimal. But Martin Trex Jr. had a win. Uh, he hasn't had a win in a long time. So what that means for the rest of the season, who knows? Joey Logano won the event last year and won the whole season. So um, mm. fingers crossed MTJ wins the whole thing. Mm. Um, How's the brewery situation in Bathurst, Richard? Yeah, good. Bloody yeah. good? Yeah, real good. Were you reckless? <laughs> Yeah, real good. Hello to Jared and the team at Reckless Brewing. Uh, had the good fortune. So at the 12-hour, um, we work with the Bathurst Regional Council, an outstanding group of people. Hello to Therese and Aaron and all the team there um, to put on a little welcome function for media. And uh, we were organising it in the lead-up and Therese emailed and said, oh, we've got this new brewery in town. I was like, I'm going to stop you right there. Uh, very much across that. <laughs> we, we put it on the hot list last year before <laughs> we, did, we even yeah, attended correct. it. Correct. She obviously doesn't read. Yeah. Um, no, no, she reads power rankings. Oh, does she? Do? Um, and um, so we had a little media gathering there, and I, I was rocked up straight from the track to town, which was enormous, by the way. Um, and uh, Jerry, oh, Rosie, quick, come out the back. And they were doing their canning. Uh, it was canning day as well. Oh. So I got the full tour of uh, one of like their milking new... day. Yeah, but better because it's beer. Yeah. 
um, one of their new beers coming soon uh, that yet to be released. And, and I, I got to sample that without the lid of the can on before it actually went through the process. And that, that seems dangerous. Oh, yeah, I would have thought you it turns out, and you won't believe this, beer is easier to drink when the can you're drinking it from doesn't have a lid on. Uh, I know that sounds shocking, but it goes down really quickly. Um, delicious too, by the way. No, they're going really well. Uh, they told me they had a wedding there recently, um, which is strikes me as being the perfect wedding venue. So, um, I mean, I'd consider having a divorce and having to get remarried there for sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, mate, I, I would go and get my um, license thing and do it for you. Like, it, oh, thank it, you. Outstanding. No, really good. Um, Bathurst is going like the the food scene there is outstanding mm -hmm. and um i mentioned earlier jack duggins is back so go to the irish pub in bathurst jack duggins on george street uh they had a wobble last year and tried to turn into a bit of a quasi-american thing which already existed <laughs> but uh they're back in new ownership the guy that was looking after us there on thursday night was utterly hilarious and um very proud that we'd given it another go after the wobble um so they were great uh el guapo mexican highly recommended Ooh. Very, very nice. It um, sounds like our Chinese restaurants have just been pushed to the side. No, no, no. Oh, they, they're still no, there. their place. Just, just variety, Shebex. No, good. That's good. Paris Thai. Great. Uh, no, good, good. Bathurst is a great foodie little town. And well, hello to the team at Crema. And congratulations for dealing with the entire Audi Sport customer racing team um, moments <laughs> before I rolled in there Friday morning. And had to line up between 350 people with Audi t-shirts on to get my uh, extra large flat white. But uh, well done. You did it very efficiently. Actually, Richie, you're saying about Bathurst. Uh, we had to recalibrate uh, our boys trip, myself and my three-year-old son, and we headed up to Bathurst. Mm. And we genuinely had the best few days of our lives. The, mm. the train museum, that is the best place on earth to take mm. a three-year-old in Australia. It yeah. is such a good joint. It, yeah. We spent eight hours there between two days, <laughs> and I, I remembered to buy a book for the second day, so I had something to do while it was going nuts. <laughs> but going on holidays to Bathurst, what a great concept because mm. you can just go and cut laps the racetrack. Yep. Who knew? Yep. Yeah, I know, right? Yep. That is so cool. That The best racetrack in the world that you can just go and cut laps all day, every day. You just leave it at the best racetrack in the world, which it yep. is. We'll stop. Uh, are we doing hots and knots? Uh, you, look, uh, my <laughs> quick hot. My quick hot is is the finish to that race and watching Engel Campbell and Gunon go at it. I thought that was spectacular, and and Engel's pole lap that that will remain for me yeah. for a long, 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 long time. My um, not. Um, I probably want to change. Uh, the format of quality leading into the shootout. I, I'm really, really happy with the shootout format. Those two 15-minute sessions work well with those cars and that tyre. But um, And I'm very happy we don't have a single car shootout there because they would have been doing 205s um, with a single lap traditional mm -hmm. Bathurst shootout. So we, we, we got value out of that. But the lead-in is, is too complicated and, and everyone knows it. So um, I don't think that will happen next year. That's probably my knot that I could pull out of the weekend. Mark? Um, for a hot, I, I nominated the last 12 hours of the race. I know, mm. Richard, you're a fan of the first 12 was, hours of the yeah. race. Enjoyed the way that played out. Yeah. Um, so that's hot. Uh, for a not, I have to go Keith Kasulki's stack. Mm. That was horrific. Like, that yeah. is as bad as it gets there. And for him still to be with us is a, a bit of a miracle, which is uh, what we want to see. What has motorsport, what has he done to motorsport to be treated the way that he has? Yeah. It's uh, 
not ideal. He's a popular character in the paddock and you don't want to see that stuff happen. So it was a tough weekend for the Invitationals. Last yeah. man standing there got a trophy. So, yep. Yep. Uh, hot both ends of the race, the first and the last 12 <laughs> hours for me. Excellent. I thought they were all great. Uh, and my not, uh, Triple Eight, you mentioned it before, Mark. Uh, obviously had a lot on trying to get other cars prepared, but uh, maybe they just need to spend a bit more time focusing on uh, what was happening there because, yeah, they didn't put up their best showing. No doubts. Is that it? Done. Week one. Well, We're back. We, I, we do thank uh, people who have uh, given us a thumbs up for brewery reports. We might have to incorporate a few more. Oh, I can I can do that. Not, That's it's easy. not a it's not a hardship. Hmm. We don't we, have to work hard for it, do we? We we will give you a little bit of our production meeting as well live here on the podcast, Mark. Uh, Richard and I were talking about before the fact that he's going to be down here for a week. Yeah, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to look for a venue to maybe do the podcast. Yeah, well, so I, we'll announce that in a week or so. Yeah, they <laughs> put a brewery in down the corner from my house, yeah. so that's we did That's that. easy for two of us. Yeah, <laughs> it might, if you're not coming over the Westgate, it's probably a good idea. Uh, yeah, uh, we might do that. Maybe we'll, something we'll get some punter interaction or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, no, I like it. All right, beautiful. Hey, thanks for joining us. First show of the year. Plenty more to come. We look forward to speaking to you again right here on the grid.